Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact, many years ago now, Anthony Rapp, Kristen Chenoweth, and I had just finished a preview performance of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, and we were starving, and we didn't have a car, and we were out of town, but lo and behold, miraculously, a friend of Anthony's, who he had met during his rent days, had seen the show that night, had a car, and she and her friend drove us to the nearest convenience store where we could get groceries to take back to the hotel. I believe we were in Delaware at the time. I remembered her because she was kind and funny and warm, and she and Anthony had a really extraordinary friendship. Well, that woman was Melissa Anelli, and Melissa, along with Anthony, is the founder of BroadwayCon, which, as you know, is one of the most extraordinary events that happens annually in the Broadway community. It is pure joy to be a part of. I've been honored to host many panels there and have even a small part in the festivities. And in the middle of BroadwayCon, in the Javits Center, hectic and insane and intense for the person running it, Melissa. She sat down with me and gave me her time and allowed me the privilege of interviewing her. And not only is she the founder of BroadwayCon, she is the founder of The Leaky Cauldron, which is this incredible website for all things Harry Potter. So if you love theater, if you love Harry Potter, if you love reading, if you love passionate people who make things happen, and really good people, then you're going to love my conversation in the middle of the Javits Center with all of the ambient noise that is BroadwayCon in the background. You will really feel what it's like to be there. And uh, I'm really proud to share Melissa and Nelly with you. So enjoy. A-OK. I am here at BroadwayCon with the extraordinary Melissa Anelli, who I is the founder of BroadwayCon, along with my beloved Anthony Rapp. Yep. And I have been waiting a long time to sit down with you, because if you were at BroadwayCon, you would see that this woman, it's sort of like being with Obama. 
Like, oh like it kind of has that feel. It's a that very is, powerful I'm person gonna, I'm, I'm sitting with. Under the weight of that analogy. <laughs> but I am, it's oh a, man, it's if we a, could all channel Obama, I think exactly. that would be amazing. But anyway, thank you for being here with thank me today. You. And and you were telling me before we started that you have a memory of meeting me before this moment oh, at yeah. Broadway Con. And if you would share it, I'm dying sure. to hear so it. So I am, I am a lifelong theater goer and one of... Uh, one of those lifetimes ago, I was in, at school at Georgetown, and my friend Arjuna, who I would go to theater with nonstop, he also had a car, so we would go to um, whatever whatever new thing he came up with every week. And I was so excited when Anthony was coming into town with your good man Charlie Brown. Had you been a huge Rent fan? I was. I used to sleep on the the street in front of the Nederlander okay. Theater at night, and that's how I met the Anthony. The poster child. The poster of yes, Rent we fan. Were, we were, man. The internet was barely functioning then. We were on some weird email lists that you could only really access if you were really good at the internet. You know, maybe like Juno Free Email was starting at the time in 96. That's what I remember being on to read these emails. And so I had started to create a Broadway community just because we all love rent so much. And so with that fandom strongly showing me what how much power there was in the Broadway community, we started going to a lot more theater together, Arjuna and I. And I kept up my friendship with Anthony Rapp. And when he said that he was coming to to Delaware with your good man Charlie Brown, or we found out that he was coming to Delaware, <laughs> yeah. with Delaware we immediately got tickets. And so it was the first night of the first previews. And I remember after the show, we were just gonna go get dinner with Anthony, and he said to me, he said to us, actually, can we, can we, can you like help us all get to the grocery store because we're new in town and we all need food? <laughs> and I'm like, you're a good friend. We don't have a car. Yeah, let's yeah. go. But you have to understand, to 18 year old me, being asked to take a bunch of Broadway stars to the grocery store was like, I mean, I, mu- I might as well have been walking down the red carpet of the Oscars. I was like, I get yes, it. we will take you to the grocery store. Sure. So we did as we did as I think there were a couple of cars in the end and then we, we sort of helped get everybody get all their their stuff back. And I was just feeling very special being in being walking around the the late night aisles of a Delaware supermarket with the stars of your good man, Charlie Brown. It's where I met you. It's where I met Kristen. And it just has this like very special you know, when, when you're friends with people who are in shows in New York now, I find there's a lot of like, not so much glamour, but a lot of activity around it. Everybody, you go, everybody's home is there. You go home, you get a couple hours together, and then everybody's going and in, settling into the eight-hour week. Right. Whereas when you're out of town, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels a little bit more kind of intimate and homey and like it's a, like yeah, a little bit we're of a party. All, it's like, it is that feeling, you know, it's funny you were at college at the time because it feels like you're in a college dorm together when you're out of town with cast members. You're all in the same hotel. You're usually all on the same floor. So you're going in and out of each other's rooms and bathrobes and, <laughs> and slippers and you're working on material together. Yeah. I remember Roger Bart, who played Snoopy, in every town that we we did the show before we came to New York, in like parking lots of various hotels in front of like the green dumpster where the hotel would put all the garbage out at night going over and over his snoopy bits Uh which were kind of vaudeville gold Mm -hmm. and and the timing of which he cared so passionately about so we would be like i don't know watching mtv at the time you know real world or something and he would be going over and that won him a tony my friends that kind of he was not watching soaps with me and Kristen. he was in the parking lot going over his snoopy bits i will never forget how great he was in that role yeah he was extraordinary and i think the thing about anthony when you talk about you know him sort of being available at the time to the rent community even though it wasn't this sort of same 
insanity that things can kind of grow into now with social media. Yeah. Rent really was the first stage door experience where really created this feeling that really created this feeling of like, I'm in the show, you're watching the show, but at the end of the day, the show is about you. Yeah. And you, the audience, and and we can't do it without you, and you can't see it without us. And I remember the same way you couldn't believe you were in a grocery store with us. When I got cast in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which it's no secret, that's the only musical I've done. It was a really uniquely special moment in my life as a non-musical theater performer, but a a dramatic actress. Anthony would warm up for Charlie Brown with some songs from Wrench. There was something about where they placed in his voice that were the exact right warm-ups for for Charlie Brown. So for me to be hearing Mark Cohen in the dressing room next to me, (laughs) who I had listened to religiously, that soundtrack, that cast album for all of us was like our anthem. Like that was our diary just set to music by Jonathan Larson. So I get it. That was my being at the grocery store with Anthony Rapp. I try to play it cool, and now I guess I can because we are, you know, really really great friends. He's like one of my my very, very few, very, very close friends. And I play it cool now, but for a good five or six years while we were becoming actual friends, there was that voice going, that's Mark Herman, that's Mark Herman. I'm sorry. It takes a while to work out of, and that's okay. That's part of it. And I think one of the most amazing things about Anthony is that he not only doesn't care that he is somebody from something, but he understands that you are having that emotion and doesn't let it get in the way of forming a genuine yeah, bond. He honors and, it. Exactly. It's yeah. so rare. It's so good. Which yeah. is a perfect segue to what I find extraordinary about BroadwayCon, which is, I will give you an example of exactly your story cut to almost 20 years later I was in my podcast booth where you and I are sitting right now here at Broadway Con again which you created just by the way (laughs) and I was interviewing Joe Iconis the marvelous musical theater writer and there was a boy who came up to the table and introduced himself he is doing one of Joe Iconis's shows in Long Island right now and suddenly it went from I'm doing a Joe Iconis show for my high school musical to I'm talking to Joe Iconis to me handing him my camera, asking him if he could take pictures of Joe and me and all of us, and then him being a part of the interview with Joe Iconis. His name was Andrew Feldman, if I am not mistaken. For the rest of his life, he's going to remember the time that he was doing a show in high school and met the actual lyricist, book writer, and composer of it. And those are the moments that you are now providing a thousandfold. I can't even tell you what that means to hear you say because... So Anthony and I talk a lot these days about how lucky we are that we met when we did because if we had met in today's day and age, I don't know that we would have become friends. Because? Because there's so many more layers now around people who are known. There's so much more noise and fuzz. There's that that And people protecting them and monitoring it. And yes. And I don't know that, you know, it felt like a big stage door experience at Rent, but it was maybe 30 people at the time in 1996. There, there's no stage door. None. Not even for the most unknown play that's only 30 people outside right. of stage door something has been lost in the ability to make those connections while we've been gaining so much. Yeah. We've been gaining so much ability to make more connections, but the volume means that sometimes it's really hard to really have more than two seconds at a stage door or to just tell somebody the thing I love to tell people when I appreciate what they've done on a stage is thank you. And I'd love to be able to just walk up to them and say thank you. And you can't really do that anymore. And when I look around and I see it all 
happening, it makes me, it makes my little heart just swell and burst. So much about um, my podcast and when I think about what makes me so happy about getting to do it is not only do I get to say thank you, just like you're describing to all the incredible artists who were there for me, whether they knew it or not, because I was listening to their cast album at like a rough moment in my life or their work changed me in some way, but also to share with listeners the humanity of it all, right? And not just the like people magazine version of oh they shop at whole foods just like i do like of course they do they need to eat eat. (laughs) but just really wanting to create um a community of inclusivity and everybody special and i tell this story that when i was doing a play called jake's women on broadway alan alda was the star of the show and on the rare occasion that he would do the stage door because he was as famous as like Alan Alda could be at that time. MASH had just finished and he was a mega, you know, movie star. When he did go out the stage door and people asked for autographs, he said, only if you will autograph my Playbill 2. And really trying to create this understanding that what you do in your career is just as vital to the world that we live in as what I do. And he was teaching that in a very sweet way night after night. And that stayed with me, that kind of um, sameness. Well, I got to tell you that that is another big piece of how Anthony influenced what I do now. I had interacted with celebrity before, but I'd never met somebody like Anthony who was so really genuinely interested in what people were and who they were. And he would wait outside until every last person was gone at the stage. He was just a remarkable person. And that kind of humanity being possible between artists and, and, and fan made me very interested in in making it happen more and more so like now we you know it, it went th- it happened with harry potter and now you know we can do you all talk a little bit about your sure. other life oh, which, is, other life. <laughs> which is taking the same passion for broadway but channeling it into the world of harry potter so fandom. that same night yes. of the De- of the delaware grocery store don't even say it this is a magical <laughs> night delaware, I, oh god i didn't even realize all that happened that night so that same night I had about a month previous published an interview in my in the Georgetown Hoya with Adina. And that happened because I was such a big fan of hers that I knew she was coming to DC and I sent a letter to her recording company saying saying what a fan I was and that I wanted to do an interview with her for the Hoya. So I got it. You know, this this very very early interview and they were so they were they were so welcoming and wonderful and she was so wonderful. And I had gone to school to be a doctor and I walked into the Hoya and I was like, oh, I don't do this. Don't do this. You should just do science. But I started writing leave, theater. Leave the yeah. offices. Exactly. Yeah. I started writing theater reviews. I started doing interviews. And it was that interview that made me realize that I wanted that way more than I wanted. Huh. I wanted to be in the arts in some way. Yeah. Way more than I wanted doctoring. So that night in the car in Delaware, so this is when I get back, Anthony turned around to me and said, hey, that article was really great. And I was like, wait, 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 go back. I said, do you mean really great because you know, for somebody who's writing in college, or do you think it was actually, he goes, no, no, it was actually a really great article. And I was like, okay, okay, we need to talk about this because I don't want to be a doctor anymore. And Anthony was so great about helping me through that transition, sitting down with my parents and saying, I am not going to be a doctor. He didn't, no, he didn't, I didn't. But I was so full of emotion. Yes, he was so, and at one point he was giving me this look and I said to him, if you tell me no day but today, I'm gonna I'm gonna like run away right now. Don't say it. I see it in your eyes, don't say it. You know, he's like I, But I he know, really lives that he motto. Does. I think the Jonathan Larson quote of no day but today, um, 
is everything. Yeah. But he's, and la later he told me, he's like, we always knew you were going to, we always knew you were going to do it. We were just waiting for you to realize that you were going to. So I did leave the path of being a doctor, which, which I don't, you know, I only recommend if people don't, you know, if there's anything else you can do, you shouldn't be, you know. Anyway, so how that all played Evolved, out is yeah. I was writing, um, I wrote for the Hoya for four years, and then I went into, um, uh, to be an editorial assistant at MTV Networks, and then I was in my spare time running a website devoted to Harry Potter. Because you loved it so much. I loved it so much. And there was, it was, nobody at the time was treating fandom, there were no fan journalists. There were a couple of people posting articles on the internet, but the site, The Leaky Cauldron, was treating Harry Potter like a beat like something to be reported upon and so I started working with them and sooner or later I took over the site and then I started I got an interview with JK Rowling and then she I wrote a book and she wrote the forward like all these things started happening and then at a fan convention my staff of the website turned around to me and said we can do this we want to run a fan convention and I said okay let's do it and that's how LeakyCon the Harry Potter convention was born and that led to BroadwayCon and that led to Con of Thrones and that led to all the things that Mischief Management does and now today. that's your job now that's sort my of, job sort of being the umbrella organization yes. for all of these different cons yes. to happen yeah and Mischief Management is looking to grow into just making a fan experience overall better so right now all of our business right now is, are these cons but we are devoted to the idea that fans and their experience is valuable and can grow and can be fans can be the masters of their own destinies basically and then the masters of their own stories and the masters of of the events that they go to so in the next couple of months mischief's going to be trying a couple of new things so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens so there you have the same experience this sort of i'm obsessed with rent i love anthony rap now he's actually one of my best friends and business partners you were obsessed with Harry Potter, yeah. and suddenly J.K. is writing the introduction to your book. Yeah. And also, she was one of, for a long time, the most mysterious people yes. on the planet, like her anonymity, like the Howard Hughes of, yes. of, of writers. So did you ever meet her in yes, person? Yes, a, a bunch of times. She's wonderful. She's so wonderful. tell me about the first time you go from managing a chat room <laughs> about how much you love Harry Potter to I'm sitting and... With J.K. Rowling. So the first time I met her, it was in 2003 when the book five came out. And Scholastic, I, w I went to England and Scholastic, there was this event that was happening at the Royal Albert Hall. And Scholastic put me in this line of, of contest winners. I thought I was going to be with press, but Scholastic instead put me over with all these contest winners. And they knew what they were doing because they, she was going to stop and talk to the contest winners. So I had this book with me, thank God. And I... And I I had this book and like I kept I, I kept the book you wrote it. when no, you no, say no, thank the, God um, or her book, book five book five okay yeah okay. I had it, the, the, the book was prior five years to later. that yeah. sorry okay no, no it's totally that this makes is just sense. very exciting <laughs> and she's coming down the line and I'm picking up the book and I'm picking up a pen and I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna say and bleh, everything's everything's fuzzy and I she came up to me and she went to go take my book because that's the interaction she thought she was gonna sign my book and I put my hand in, on top of the book and she gave me this look like. What are you? And I said, hi, Miss Rowling. My name is Melissa. I run a website called The Leaky, the Leaky Cauldron. I love The Leaky Cauldron. And she launched. And at this point, I'd never even known for sure that she read The Leaky Cauldron. How would you know? And exactly. She launched herself over the railing in a hug. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what's up? What's my life? And we took this picture. It's, It was a really big, intense day. But it was yet another proof that when you do positive fan work, and you look for the right kind of attention from the creator when your intention is purely about celebration and purely about, you know, it's not about anything creepy into their lives. And what the book meant to you and means to you yes. and how it affected your life. So, exactly. 
So how does it go from I run the website right. to having an ongoing relationship with her of well, sorts? from then on, I was, or somewhere in there, I, I started writing to her office when we needed tips. So, not tips, but um, when there was a story that was confusing, I would write to her office and be like, there's a story out here. Can you tell me if it's true? A story about her or a story about the Anything. world of the book? Anything. So okay. there would be like, there's, you know, Harry goes to the moon in book six. Can you, and, and I would write to her office and be like, did Joe ever say anything like this? They're like, no, 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 that's fake. Totally fake story. Okay. And they would, they would tell me about actual fake news. Okay. And then they would also comment sometimes when there was real news because they knew that at the Leaky Cauldron, we would treat it fairly and that we would be honest. Right. Um, and so that relationship just built over time. And so uh, right before book six, her, she called me one morning. <laughs> Her assistant asked me what, if I would be around at X time just for for her assistant to ask me a question. And instead it was J.K. Rowling on the other end of the line. And so she called and she said, would you please come to Scotland to interview me on the eve of the release, on the day after the book six comes out? And I was like, let, gee, let me think about that. Yes, of course I will come to Scotland and interview you. So I did that. And then um, when I was writing the book, I wrote her a very earnest letter and said, I'm writing this book. I would love to interview you for it. And she said, of course. And so I went to her house in 2008. What was her house like? Oh, in 2007. Her house, she doesn't live there anymore, but it was beautiful. All the artwork had been taken off the walls, get this, because the artist needed it for an exhibition and had needed to bring it back. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, there's nothing on the walls. I was like, I... It's okay. The first, thing, the first thing she did was, like, make me coffee. I got to meet her, her kids, her beautiful children, who are now all adults. It's right. really scary. Yeah. And then we just sat down in her study and talked for eight hours, four hours one day and th five hours one day and three hours the next. And she cleared her schedule for me for two solid days so that we could really get through it. It was, it was, she was just so generous with her time. And I said to her during that interview, once I'm done with the book, would you write the forward? She's like, she's like, oh, of course. I said, would you consider writing the forward after you've read it? And she said, oh, of course I'll do that. I was like, no, I want you to read it first. I will send you the book. And she was like, okay, okay. So it was really sweet because I was just like, no, no, no. I, I don't I don't just want it just because you said yes. I want you to read the book first. Yeah. So I sent her a manuscript and she was like, this is, and she responded with a forward. It was amazing. Unbelievable. Was amazing. Unbelievable. She's a wonderful woman. But also this says so much to you, like about you and the way in which you just continue to do something for the purest reason, which is you love it. And then it turns into... <laughs> oh my God! Well, I think the reason I think it proves that the reason is everything. If you gotta really love it, people see phenomenon and they think that they can just get in on it. Yeah. And that sure can take you some places, but if you don't have that real pure heart about it, it's not gonna go to places you think. You know? So yeah. That's, to me, everything is the reason. Well, as someone who grew up similarly loving it so much, never even imagining being a part of it, but just feeling so lucky to be in a world where Broadway exists, yeah. uh, to then be someone who got to participate in it as a performer and now gets to be here at this event and kind of see the joy and inclusivity and the feeling that they might not have every day in their life outside the Javits Center right. of feeling like the thing they love makes them different yeah. here makes them just part of the family it's a pretty amazing thing and I just wanted to personally say thank you A for letting me be a small part of it and B for just creating something that's just absolutely um, the best part of the theater community and shining a light on it. That makes me feel like a billion bucks. Wow. That makes me feel because that's 
literally that's what we we're trying to do. We know we that people, it. for what they love, or what makes them feel different, makes them feel sometimes a little weird and outside the world, and we want them to walk into here and feel at home. Yep. And that makes me feel wonderful. So well, thank you. here's to you, Melissa, and thank, thank you. you for doing Broadway Con, and thank here's you for to being many a part more. Of it so much. And you know what? You know what I just realized? Next year is 20 years since you're a good man, Charlie Brown. I know. You know, oh my BD, God. I know. We have to figure out something yeah. uh, because we were talking about it when it, last year, when it was the yes. 18th year, and we were like, eh, it's not quite right. And all of us just need a lot of time to know, but I think a reunion of some kind I, at Broadway Con would be incredible. I'm, so. got the scoop here. We're officially working on it. We're working on it. All right. <laughs> Thank you. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.